Welcome to a reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide for July, August and September 2013, titled Revival and Reformation. It's brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Lesson 11 for September 7 to 13, Reformation, Thinking New Thoughts. Sabbath afternoon, September 7. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you again. We know that there are things in our lives that need changing. But we know that through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, as we open your word today, help us to not only think good thoughts, but to think your thoughts. Be with us as we open your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Let's read that again, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Isaac Watts is credited with more than 750 hymns, many of which are sung by thousands of Christians today. On one occasion, a parade was held in London in Watts' honour. People thronged the streets to get a glimpse of this famous man. As his carriage passed under a balcony filled with spectators, one lady was astonished that this short, elderly man, now hunched over in old age, had written such mighty hymns. She shrieked, "'What? Are you Isaac Watts?' Watts motioned for the carriage to stop. He stretched himself up to his full frame and exclaimed, "'Madame, could I in fancy grasp the poles or hold creation in my span, I would still be measured by my mind, for the mind is the measure of the man.' Isaac Watts was right. The mind is the measure of a man, and reformation is about our minds. If we have a reformation in our thinking, we will have a reformation in our actions. Reformation occurs as the Holy Spirit brings our thoughts into harmony with Christ's thoughts. When that happens, our actions will follow. Sunday, September 8. The Mind Matters. Our thoughts will ultimately dictate our behaviour. The way that we think influences the way that we act. The converse is also true. Repeated actions influence our thoughts. The Christian is a new creation. Old thinking patterns have been replaced by new ones, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. When a sailboat embarks on its seaward journey, the sails are set. The set sails give the boat its direction. Throughout the journey, the sails need to be reset in order to maintain the correct course. If the sails are neglected, the boat will veer off course very quickly. Like those sails, our thoughts give direction to our spiritual lives. When the Apostle Paul admonishes Christians to 
set your minds on things above in Colossians 3.2, he is urging us to focus our thoughts heavenward. Our minds are shaped by what we put into them. Our thoughts are moulded by what we spend our time dwelling upon. Question. What miracle of grace takes place in our lives as we behold God's glory in His Word? Let's have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we behold Jesus in His Word, we are changed. New thoughts replace old ones. By beholding Him, we become more like Him. Ellen White writes in The Great Controversy, page 555, It is a law both of the intellectual and the spiritual nature that by beholding we become changed. The mind gradually adapts itself to the subjects upon which it is allowed to dwell. It becomes assimilated to that which it is accustomed to love and reverence. Man will never rise higher than his standard of purity or goodness or truth. If self is his loftiest ideal, he will never attain to anything more exalted. Rather, he will constantly sink lower and lower. The grace of God alone has power to exalt man. Left to himself, his course must inevitably be downward. Reformation is all about looking to Jesus. It is about Jesus filling our minds. It is about Jesus shaping our thoughts. It is about Jesus guiding our actions. When we behold Jesus, he will lead us to higher standards than a mere rigidity to rules. We cannot really look to Jesus and remain the same. When we think his thoughts, we have only one desire, and that is to do his will. So to finish today, what counsel would you give to a person struggling to make Jesus a priority in his or her thinking process? What does the Bible mean when it talks about beholding or looking to Jesus? Monday, September 9, The Mind's Filters there are some parents who are so concerned about their children's internet viewing habits that they have installed filters to block out certain sites. Others have done something similar with television. The purpose of these electronic filters is to let some things in while keeping others out. God has provided a spiritual filter for our minds. It has been carefully crafted to allow only those things into our minds that will build our spiritual experience with Jesus. Question. What practical instruction does Paul give to his fellow Christians as a filter designed to guard their minds from the intoxifying influences of evil? How does this counsel apply today to our television, internet and movie viewing habits? First of all, we look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 7 to 8. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren... 
Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here is one simple reality. It is not possible to develop deeply spiritual thoughts if we feed our minds with violence, immorality, greed and materialism. Our senses are the gateway to our minds. If our minds are bombarded with the stimulating scenes of Hollywood's entertainment, they will be moulded by these sensual experiences rather than by the principles of God's Word. Multiple millions of dollars are spent by media producers to manipulate our emotions, condition our thinking and shape our values. We can be assured that the basic question that these entertainment gurus ask is not how can these productions prepare people for the soon return of Jesus? The bottom line that motivates them the most is money. Seventh-day Adventist Christians preparing for the second coming of Christ should reflect carefully before sacrificing their souls on the altar of the world's entertainment. So to finish today, there is a great cathedral with three large wooden entrance doors in Milan, Italy. Etched above the left-hand door are these words, All that pleases is for a moment. Over the right-hand door, these words stand out in bold relief. All that troubles is but for a moment. And emblazoned in bold letters over the centre door is this poignant phrase, That alone endures which is eternal. Ask yourself, how often do you think about what's eternal? How do your choices reflect those thoughts? Tuesday, September 10, The Mind's Safeguard Philippians 4 verse 7 reads, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a wonderful promise, but one that we have to actively seek in order to make it real in our lives. There are many ways in which we can let down our guard. We can let in the cesspool of this world's entertainment. Our minds might be overcome by anger, bitterness and resentment. They may be submerged in the ocean of intoxicating pleasure or addictive habits. The good news is that Jesus has promised to safeguard our minds if we let him. Question. Read Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 to 5. When Paul says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual, what does he mean? What are carnal weapons? What are spiritual weapons? The Apostle also talks about bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What does he mean? And how can it be accomplished? Let's read. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, 
and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Billy Graham is quoted as saying, You can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from nesting in your hair. In other words, thoughts will rush into our minds. There are varying sights, sounds and smells that stimulate certain thoughts. Different experiences evoke different emotions. We cannot always choose the thoughts that race through our minds. We can choose whether we will dwell upon them and allow them to dominate our thinking. To bring each thought into obedience to Christ is to surrender our minds to Jesus. Carnal thoughts are not banished by merely wishing them away. They are driven out as the mind is filled with something else. The mind focused on the positive principles of God's word is the mind safeguarded and kept by God's grace from the wilds of the evil one. So to finish today, when Paul says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus in Philippians 2.5, what specifically does he mean? How is it possible for us to have the mind of Christ? Where does the word let or allow in the text place responsibility for change? Wednesday, September 11. Mind-Body Relationships The ancient Greeks taught a form of dualism, that is, they believed that there was a great distinction between our bodies and our souls. In contrast, Scripture teaches that human beings are an integrated unit of physical, mental, emotional and spiritual dimensions. Whatever affects one part of the human frame affects all parts. The disciples taught that physical, mental, emotional and spiritual health were interconnected and could not be separated. Question. How is this idea reflected in 1 Thessalonians 5.23? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the New Testament believers, physical, mental and emotional well-being are indissolubly linked to spiritual well-being. The Apostle Paul appealed to believers to glorify God in their bodies. He believed that all humanity was brought with a price, and we are not our own. First Corinthians six nineteen and 20 Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Caring for our bodies by adopting a more healthful lifestyle does much more than add a few more years to our lives. Done with the right motives, it could be an act of worship itself. Question. How do Romans chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, John 10:10, 10, 10, and 1 Corinthians 10:31 show the intimate relationship between our physical and spiritual health? First of all, Romans chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will 
of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The Holy Spirit does not limit himself to one aspect of our lives when he convicts us of our need for growth. Reformation is not one-dimensional. The Spirit longs to bring our lives into total conformity to the will of Christ in every area. If there are physical lifestyle practices not in harmony with His will, God invites us to surrender them for His glory. Satan wants to control our minds through our bodies. Jesus longs to control our bodies through our minds. The bodies are a temple, not a fun house. By following heaven's principles, we can live more joy-filled, productive, abundant, healthy lives. And so to finish today, what are the personal experiences that have shown you just how inseparable the link is between our physical and spiritual natures? What choices can you make to help bring them into more beneficial harmony? Thursday, September 12, Images of Influence There are numerous images that Jesus uses to describe himself and his church. One is light. He is the light of the world in John 8.12. He is also the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world, John 1.9. He encourages us to walk while you have the light and believe in the light in John chapter 12 verses 35 and 36. Question. Compare Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 15, with Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. What is our Lord's goal for his people in this world? What does that mean in practical terms? How can we be what we are called to be? First of all, Matthew five thirteen to 15. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavour... How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. And we compare that with Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or laboured in vain. The goal of all revival and reformation is to allow the light of Christ's love, grace and truth to shine through our lives. 
light shines in contrast to darkness. Jesus has called his people to live a lifestyle distinctly different from that which is lived in the world in order to demonstrate the superiority of his way of life. He calls us to be compassionate, caring, and concerned in a world of selfishness, greed, and egotism. He calls us to uphold high standards in entertainment in a society intoxicated with pleasure. And uh, we can check that in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. He calls us to healthful living at a time when millions are dying too young from self-inflicted degenerative diseases, as we read before in John 10.10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. In the midst of a modest, sex-centred, jaded generation, Jesus calls us to something different. He calls us to modesty, propriety, and moral purity. 1 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah gave a clarion call to Israel for reformation about 700 years before Christ. His words speak with relevance to a church waiting for the return of our Lord. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts, Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. God's ideal for His church and for us as individuals is higher than what we can imagine. All of heaven longs to reveal His character of love through His people. So to finish today, look at the standards that mark your lifestyle. In what ways, if any, do they reveal that you are a follower of Jesus and that your life is set on something other than this fading world? Friday, September 13. From the book Testimonies for the Church, Volume 2, page 262, Ellen White writes, Many profess to be on the Lord's side, but they are not. The weight of all their actions is on Satan's side. By what means shall we determine whose side we are on? Who has the heart? With whom are our thoughts? Upon whom do we love to converse? Who has our warmest affections and our best energies? If we are on the Lord's side, our thoughts are with Him, and our sweetest thoughts are of Him. We have no friendship with the world. We have consecrated all that we have and are to Him. We long to bear His image, breathe His Spirit, do His will, and please Him in all things. And from Christ's Object Lessons, page 419, it is the privilege of every soul to be a living channel through which God can communicate to the world the treasures of His grace, the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
There is nothing that Christ desires so much as agents who will represent to the world his spirit and character. There is nothing that the world needs so much as the manifestation through humanity of the Saviour's love. All heaven is waiting for channels through which can be poured the holy oil to be a joy and blessing to human hearts. And that brings us to our four discussion questions for this week. 1. What terms does Paul use to describe the high calling of God's people in 2 Corinthians 5 and 6? What do these images mean in practical terms? How do our lives show that Paul is talking about us? First of all, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 20. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Question 2. If we are honest, we can read and claim all the Bible promises we want, but unless we make a conscious choice at the moment of temptation to set our minds on the things that we should, we will succumb to temptation. What principles or practices have you found helpful in controlling your thoughts when tempted? 3. What would you respond to someone who says that, Yes, my thoughts are not always what they should be, but my actions and lifestyle are above reproach. And four, along with the wonderful spiritual and doctrinal truths that we have been given as Seventh-day Adventists, we have the health message as well. How can we learn to better integrate these principles into our lives and into our outreach and witness? What role should the health message have in revival and reformation? Inside Story, Such a Little Thing Twelve-year-old Yvette walked along the dusty path, carefully balancing the plastic water jug on her head. She didn't want to spill even a drop of water. She passed children walking toward a nearby school. They were dressed in dark skirts or trousers and white shirts. Yvette's steps slowed as she thought about the children learning to read and write and do maths. Sometimes she could hear them reciting their lessons aloud in the little school. She sighed heavily and walked faster. Her mother was waiting at home. There were meals to prepare, a garden to water, and clothes to wash. John Claude walked along the narrow path, gently prodding the family's cow with a large twig. He tapped her away from a neighbour's property as she searched for fresh grass to eat. His stick kept her safely away from the nearby road where cars and trucks whizzed by. Jean-Claude paused and looked up at the green patchwork gardens on the hills that surrounded his home. The honk of a large truck stirred the boy from his thoughts, and he hurried to catch up with the cow. The happy voices of children floated on the warm afternoon breeze. Jean-Claude used his branch to nudge the cow off the pathway so the children could pass without getting dirty. He watched them pass and wondered if he would ever go to school. 
His father explained that they couldn't afford to buy a school uniform or school supplies. But in his heart, Jean-Claude continued to hope that someday he might join the children in the school. Schools in Rwanda no longer charge tuition, but many children, such as Yvette and Jean-Claude, still can't study because they don't have school uniforms or supplies. Without an education, these children will continue living in the cycle of poverty in which they were born. A school uniform is such a little thing, but it makes a big difference to a child who can't go to school without one. Recently, Seventh-day Adventist children around the world helped to provide school uniforms through the 13th Sabbath offering. Because of their gifts, children such as Jean-Claude and Yvette can now attend a Seventh-day Adventist school. Our mission offerings and our 13th Sabbath offerings help to make a world of difference to people we may never meet by providing schools, clinics, evangelistic opportunities and even school uniforms to reach them for Christ. Thank you for faithful support of mission through your offerings. This week's reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide has been brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Your reader has been Dr. Percy Harold. Remember, God is always faithful.